The Healthy Charleston podcast is brought to you by Made to Move Physical Therapy. Made to Move Physical Therapy specializes in helping you get out of pain and get back to doing what you love. We offer relationship-oriented, one-on-one, individualized care to all of our clients, and we believe in putting the patient's needs first. If you'd like to work with me or any of our other physical therapists at Made to Move, check out the link in the show notes and get 10% off of your first session. We have locations throughout Charleston, Mount Pleasant, West Ashley, Somerville, and Daniel Island. Don't waste another day stuck in your pain. Follow the link and schedule an appointment today. Welcome to the Healthy Charleston Podcast, where we help you take ownership of your health and fitness. My name is Hannah, and I am here to be your source of accurate health and fitness information while spreading awareness about all of the different health and fitness resources available to you in the Charleston area. Be sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. I hope you enjoy the show. On this episode, I'm talking with Dr. Stephanie Best, a licensed psychologist at Modern Minds. Modern Minds is a mental wellness clinic with an integrative approach that focuses on treating you as a whole person. Their goal is to empower you to be able to meet the challenges you face both today and tomorrow with a new approach and greater confidence. Dr. Stephanie helps her clients develop a different kind of relationship with their fears, their pain, their doubts, and their worries so that they can move toward who and what they care about and build a truly meaningful life. So we talk all about psychological flexibility and what that really means and how to practice it, how to give our thoughts and feelings less control, the human condition, what acceptance and commitment therapy is all about, why she recommends meditation and mindfulness, and really how to live a life in accordance to your values and what's most important to you. I really love this conversation. I'm so excited for the work that Dr. Stephanie and Modern Minds is doing. Before we start, make sure you subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode now on to the show. Welcome, Dr. Stephanie Best. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for the invitation. I'm excited to be yeah. here. I know we've had a few uh, roadblocks <laughs> yes. already today. I had some technical difficulties, but we are here. We are recording. We are good. Can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and about what you do? Certainly. So I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and I work at Modern Minds, which is a novel mental wellness center that operates uh, in downtown Charleston. And we also have a presence over here at Synchronicity in Mount Pleasant. And we are in affiliation with MUSC Healthcare. But I came here through a pretty nonlinear path. I actually started out being a marine biologist, of all things. I grew up on the Delaware coast and had a boat with my family on the Chesapeake Bay and just grew up with a love of nature and the water. And when I started taking science classes in school, had a passion for those, a real curiosity. And so I took that all the way to a master's degree in marine biology, loved the field work. Um, But it was something that I was learning about myself in my early 20s that it wasn't the right career for me. I had a passion for the ocean. I loved being out in nature, loved the field work, as I said. Um, The rest of what was involved in being a professional marine biologist, everything in me was saying, this is really not my cup of tea. I, however, really at that point in my life, hadn't learned what we're going to talk about today, which is psychological flexibility. And so I had decided, well, this is what was going to happen. And so this is what was going to happen. And I kept trying to push that square peg in the round hole 
to my own detriment and um, had really honestly struggled with anxiety most of my life up until that point, but I don't think I really labeled it as such or knew it. It was just, you know, oh, Stephanie's always been an anxious kid. She's a worrier. Um, and I think the ways that I coped with that were through nature. So that was a very healthy outlet for me, but also by really just kind of digging in and trying to overachieve and control things as a means of trying to get my anxiety down, which would work, you know, for short term periods. And then honestly, I, I look back now and I think by adolescence, um, probably morphed into my first depressive episode because when you're just struggling and fighting with your emotions, in my case, anxiety, over time, it's exhausting. You can't win. And um, it sets up a war within yourself. And that's very depressing and, and breeds hopelessness. But again, it was, oh, it's just, you know, Stephanie's a teenager. It's, she's moody, right? And um, I, I just kept trying to achieve and get pats on the head from external sources and took it all the way, like I said, to this uh, PhD program in marine biology. And you took it that, pretty far. Huh? I took it pretty far. <laughs> and at that point, my mental health and wellness were really tanking. And I was holding it together as best as I could until a point where I really needed to wake up and pay attention. And I'm so glad I, I did. Um, at the time, though, I thought I was a failure because I dropped out of my program. And this led to uh, you know, a, a series of what I looked at at the time um, as floundering years, but now I know was really me getting out there and discovering who, who am I really about? You know, what do I want to be about? And what am I passionate about? What does my heart desire? What do I want to contribute to this world? And um, it was at that point that mental health first intersected with me, the field, that is. I started entering counseling and eventually came to be introduced to acceptance and commitment therapy, which I do practice today, and uh, discovered some things about myself, which is that I do have a passion for science and certainly for nature, but I also have a passion for people and for helping people. And these skills that I'm going to talk to you about today have changed my life so dramatically, uh, along with the physical wellness routines. Um, we like to combine physical and mental wellness at Modern Minds, and we really believe that's the magic sauce. So really discovering those things helped me to be on the path that I'm on today, which is such a more meaningful, satisfying way of living. I don't fight with my inner world anymore. I have made peace with all of my human experience, including those anxious thoughts and feelings that sometimes show up and those depressive thoughts and feelings that sometimes show up. Um, but you know, the process of shifting into mental health really was inspired by me originally getting the help that I now get to give to people. And um, you know, I it's a really values aligned path for me, and we'll talk about values. But it's basically, um, this is what I want to stand for in my life. I I learned that all of the suffering that I had in the first you know twenty or so years of my life didn't have to happen. That there was a different way to relate to my distressing thoughts and feelings. So I ultimately went back to school to become a psychologist, and now I get to teach people what has helped me so much and it's incredibly gratifying. So I know it's a long-winded answer. It's the best I can nutshell my nonlinear story. Yeah, but I mean, I think first, thank you for sharing. And I think so many people are doing something that they're passionate about because they were first affected by it, right? And they saw how much it was needed. And then they are full of passion and full of almost like conviction. Like I have to spread the word. I have to share this with people. And 
Uh, I think every little kid wants to be a marine biologist too. Like everyone, <laughs> who doesn't like nature, you know? And but you were maybe like we were taught as kids. Oh, what do you like to do? Okay, like make your whole career about that. You like math and science. You like nature. You like fish. Marine biologist. When really you liked science, and then you figured out when you started, you know, pushing and asking yourself, and really like taking the time that we don't take in school to learn about ourselves and how we want to contribute to the world and all those things. You finally, unfortunately, we usually have to hit rock bottom to figure those things out. And now like, it's just so cool to see, you mentioned so many things that I want to talk about, psychological flexibility, acceptance and commitment therapy, how your path has put you on this path to now change the life trajectory of so many other people's paths. Yeah, it's a real privilege. And I, I want to highlight something that's inherent in all of this, which is I think our culture is set up, unfortunately, to promote inflexibility uh, in terms of, like you said, this career path. And it's, oh, okay, what do you like as a kid? And by 18, you better have figured it out. And what are you going to major, major yep. in, in college? And that's what you're supposed to do for the rest of your life. Well, you know, the best teacher of all truly is our experience, our direct experience, if we allow it to shape us, if we get present and aware, and we notice, hmm, when I do these things, or I interact with these people, or I show up this way, this is how it impacts me, we can get really good at listening to what we like to call uh, at Modern Minds, your inner compass. And your inner compass will direct you. It will help to shape you. And, and when you need to course correct, because mm, this course that maybe seemed to work for me before isn't working for me anymore. Or I thought this course would work. However, if I'm really present with my experience, I, I don't think that really is serving me. It's not helping me to build the life that matters the most to me or the one that I want to build. So I can change. I can shift my behavior. I can go in a different direction. That's flexibility. And that's allowing your behavior and your experience to shape you. And I don't think that our culture, unfortunately, sets us up that way because, you know, that's what happened to me. It's like, well, I had decided this at 18. I majored in biology. I had a National Science Foundation fellowship to go get this doctoral degree at this, you know, esteemed institution. And I can't let everybody down. This is what I said I was going to do. Well, that's the hallmark of inflexibility. Well, that's not what my compass was saying. My compass was saying, not, not this. However, when I stop to listen, all of that experience serves me in a way that, oh, I didn't even realize it was going to at the time. And now it helps me to relate to people from all different kinds of walks of life. And I love when I get to work with somebody who's had a really nonlinear path themselves because I can so validate that and help them to embrace all that as a gift that they learned from. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast about squiggly careers. Because, I like that word, yeah, squiggly. So <laughs> it, it used to be linear and you get this promotion and you get this promotion, you keep going up, you keep going up. And it was a staircase. And these women were talking about like nowadays it's squiggly and it's okay. And it, it often brings you more joy. And then it's not all about just like trying to you know, have a higher position and keep in the same thing. This is what you do when you're 30. This is what you do with your 40. And then you retire. It's like, what do you want to do with those 60 years before you hit retirement? Those matter a ton too, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, and you don't calibrate a compass well by always making the move in the right direction. You have to go off course too. You need data on what doesn't work just as much as you need data on what does work. So, I mean, that nutshell story I just gave you sounded all nice and smooth and pretty, but let me tell you, there were lots of twists and turns and squiggles. In the meantime, that also included uh, a stint of going off and trying to find myself in living in Brussels, Belgium, and thinking I was going to be a cook and ending up, you know, serving (laughs) serving Guinnesses in an Irish pub in the middle of the EU offices in downtown Brussels and putting together Tex-Mex food in the back because I had gone, you know, lived in Southern California and the guy I thought, oh, you probably know how to make burritos. And here I was thinking I was going to go to the Cordon Bleu, right? And then um, when I came back to the States, I, I tried the corporate world for a little while because I was afraid. I knew I wanted to get into mental health and try to help people, but I would have to go back to undergrad even because my undergraduate degree was in biology with a minor in chemistry. I didn't have the prerequisites I needed to even apply to a grad program in psychology. So what did my mind do? My mind said, oh, no, no. That's going to be too hard. That's going to bring up painful thoughts and feelings. What if you disappoint people? What if you fail? And said, you know, just take the safe route. You know, your family says, oh, you'd have a good head for business, right? So I I, I listened to my mind and um, disobeyed my inner compass. This was before ACT and acceptance and commitment therapy had been introduced to me. And honestly, that was a very useful experience to help calibrate my compass because I did try a couple years in the corporate world. And just for me, that didn't feed my soul. Um, it wasn't what I wanted to build my life around. And and what it enabled me to do was finally listen to that really strong voice inside that was saying, not this. How do you find this? Sometimes you find this by really coming across not this first. And it gave me the courage to say, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to go back to undergrad and, and take a bunch of psych classes to be able to apply for grad school. And I didn't enter Duke. That's where my, my doctorate is from. I didn't enter Duke University until I was 28 years old, right? So 10 years past when we say an 18-year-old is supposed to know what they're going to do with the rest You're of their life. You're supposed to have kids and a marriage <laughs> and a house by then. What do you mean? Oh, my goodness. It's not for everyone. We need to each listen to our inner compasses and find our own path. And at Modern Minds, we really really do that. We really try to help each individual look deeply inside and really think about, you know, what is the life you would love to look back on from your deathbed? And how can we help you start to get out of your own way so that the the tough thoughts and feelings that are inevitably going to come up in the course of you moving toward that stuff you care about, because we, we can be hurt where we care the most. So if you want to build a life about what you care about the most, Sometimes it's going to hurt. And that's okay. Can we make that in the service of moving toward this kind of life that you feel deeply passionate about? And that's what we try to help people to do is help them develop a different kind of relationship with their thoughts and feelings so they don't get to have as much impact and influence over them. They're they're not going to get bullied around by their thoughts and feelings. Like I was when my thoughts and feelings said to me, oh, no, 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 you can't do that. It's too late. You just need to take this safe corporate job. Well, That really didn't work. Once I let those thoughts and feelings be and said, no, I think I'm going to let my compass decide, my heart, my values, and I'm going to move in that direction, even though my my mind is freaking out about it, I'm going to boldly move in that direction. That's what we teach people how to do. That's psychological flexibility. What's interesting is it sounds like no matter what, because I think we're humans, it's going to hurt. Something is going to hurt. And so would you rather be going towards something that you care about and that you think is important. And you, like you said, you want to live your life in service of and hurt 
getting there? Or would you rather do the opposite and do things that don't bring you joy and that don't fit and square peg and round hole? It's still going to hurt. We've just been so conditioned to like, once we're doing something, it's like sunken costs. And it's like, well, this is it. This is what I'm doing. And you asked a question that I just want everyone listening to like, you know, if you're driving, if you're sitting around, like take a second and think about what would you want your life to look like when you look back on it? Like, what do you, what makes you be like, wow, I lived, I lived and I loved it and I experienced and I did all these things. Cause otherwise like, what's, what's the point? And obviously I'm biased, but I think so many people are like, well, I don't have time for that. You know, I'm 40, I can't change careers. And I'm like, what's the finish line here that you're racing towards? What's this deadline that you think you've been given? Mm -hmm. And I just think it's such a strong, powerful message that in our society where we're rushing and we're texting and we're driving and we're whatever, we don't, we don't get to think about, we don't slow down enough. We just do, do, do. And then months, years later, we look back and we're like, oh, I really wasn't doing what I wanted to do. So at Modern Minds, what kind of people do you help? Like your clients come to you normally, what are they struggling with and what are they looking for? So we really excel at helping adults with anxiety and depression. Um, these would be folks that, you know, generally at some point, not too long ago, maybe, you know, a couple years or more ago, they, they felt like they had hit their stride. They were doing fairly well. And then something has happened or they've just gone through a, a year or two, some really difficult things. Whatever's going on, they've been knocked off of what we would call their baseline, which is just sort of, you know, how they feel when they're kind of functioning at their best. And um, their anxious thoughts and depressive feelings uh, might be coming up inside of them and really obstructing them, getting in their way of taking the steps that they need to take to build the life that they want. And they they might have fallen off their wellness too. So they're not taking care of their, their physical health. They're not eating well. They're not hydrating or they're not resting well. They're not taking time for recovery and recharge routines. Their relationships might not be very fulfilling or they might be socially isolated. And as a result, you know, they're they're dissatisfied. They sometimes are hopeless. Um, they just don't know what to do. And these are the kinds of folks that we really specialize in helping. Wow. I was just like the whole time you're talking. I mean, it sounds like at some point everyone is going to deal with this. Yes. And honestly, this is one of our biggest messages we're trying to get out there is <laughs> Modern Minds is for every mind. You know, if you have a human mind, you can benefit from these skills. And my dream is that one day we live in a world where maybe even we are teaching our youth in schools or in some other place, you know, how, how to do these sorts of things. Because it's hard being human. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> it's a tough job. For everybody, not <laughs> mm -hmm. just for people that come to Modern Minds. It is hard for everybody sometimes. Because, you know, so Dr. John Kabat-Zinn, who's the father of modern day mindfulness, he's written a lot of books, but my one of my favorites has a great title. He calls it Full Catastrophe Living. And it really is a nod to the fact that if as part and parcel of being born into club human, oh which God. we're all in, <laughs> you're born into this world with the innate and natural normal capacity to feel a very broad range of emotions that are going to come with a variety of thoughts, right? But there is such a small subset of those emotions that our minds tell us are okay and that society tells us are okay, right? So in my field in the past, it used to be, well, you're going to go to therapy because 
we need you're going to be happy all the time when you come out of therapy. That's the goal is we need to make you happy all the time and that's normal. Fix your and pain. if you're not happy all the time, there's something wrong with you, right? Well, there's a famous book in the act world called The Happiness Trap, which is about that crock in that message because that is not that's not normal for humans. What's normal for humans is to feel everything we are built to feel. So if every single solitary human that walks this planet, yes, can feel happiness and joy and excitement and those things are great, and they can also feel sad and lonely and scared and depressed sometimes and anxious sometimes and unsure and uncertain and lonely, all these feelings that we don't like, that the mind labels bad, quote unquote, if every single human that walks this planet comes with the innate capacity to feel those things, how can they be abnormal? What a disservice we are doing by spreading the message that these are abnormal, that there is something wrong with you if you feel these things, and you should be feeling happy all the time. No. What we need to do is equip people with skills to be able to open up to the full range of their human experience know that you know emotions and are are going to be get stirred up like i said when you're building a life that you really care about you know let's say i could say to you i'm let's take relationships we are all going to lose people this is part of the human gig also right We'll lose people sometimes because just friendships fall aside and people go different ways we'll lose people to death i mean we'll lose people in breakups there's a lot of pain that can happen in the context of relationships, right? There's also a lot of incredible, wonderful, amazing things that can happen in that context. If I said to you, okay, I can take all that pain away in the relationship domain, it, you just would have to not care about your relationships. There you go. If you don't care about your relationships, they'll never hurt you. Easy. Done. Would, would you it. take that trade off? No. It's like a life of gray. Mm -hmm. It's like you're living within these really small, narrow con confines. When people are in pain, it's it's this, it's a very similar message. It's I don't know if you know who Greg Lehman is. Yes. He, yeah. Who says we are pathologizing normal and our patients are paying the price. Yes. Because when you try to get rid of these, whether it's physical pain or whether it's thoughts and feelings and all of these other uncomfortable things that we go through. When you try to get rid of them, you end up having a very narrow, small life and limitations and, you know, working with people with movement. They can't move this way. They can't move that way. And all of a sudden they're wearing a neck brace to sweep their house because they don't want to move in a certain way. And it's like, yes. it's not about getting rid of the pain. It's about not suffering and because it's getting in the way of your life and that now trying to get rid of it is getting in the way of your life. Yes. And yet... It seems to make sense, right? It's, ouch, these painful thoughts and feelings are showing up inside. So the mind makes the very sensible sounding suggestion to do something to control, eliminate, suppress, or get rid of this uncomfortable inner experience you're having, this, this, this thought, this feeling, right? I'm, I'm feeling anxious. I'm sad. I'm lonely. My mind is telling me I'm not good enough or I can't do this, whatever. Normal stuff that shows up inside. The mind tells us, oh, that stuff is bad. Hey, I know. Let's Let's have a drink. Let's not go to that party. Let's not go back to grad school in my case, right? Let's play it safe. I mean, all these different ways. Let's let's overwork. Let's um not date. I mean, there there are so many different ways that humans humans have found a myriad of ways to control, suppress, eliminate unwanted thoughts and feelings. And the tricky thing is, we can get pretty good at eliminating them in the short term. And so that's really reinforcing. The mind says, oh, look, here, I had this painful feeling. I had a beer and a banana nut muffin. And ah, it felt better. 
for a moment. And then on the other side of that, that original pain was there. And then there was some additional suffering layered on top of it because of that controlling behavior you made in the first place. Like, oh, I feel terrible about what I just did. And it's really not serving me. I don't feel well. And it's moving you further away from that life that you really want to build, the one that you value. And so it, it seems to make sense to listen to our mind and to listen to the messages we get in society about how to control or get rid of these thoughts and feelings. I mean, my gosh, we have record numbers of individuals in our country on antidepressants. And I am not anti-medication. I think they can have a very useful place in a treatment plan for a number of people along with these skills. However, I think too often they are prescribed as the first line of defense to just try to get rid of, eliminate, control, numb. And the problem is we want it to be the case. We want to be able to selectively numb. Like, no, no, no. I want, I want happy, excited, joyful, peaceful. They can stay, but I need to numb all these other things out. Well, you know, Brene Brown talked about this very classically in her TED Talk, The Power of Vulnerability. When we numb, we numb everything. So what do we do with this? Because when we listen to our mind, what happens is we end up just time traveling all the time. We're, we're most of the time lost in the past, thinking about things we regret or that didn't go well. We're, we're lost in the future, worrying about what might happen in the future, catastrophizing. We are unwilling to have a good portion of our normal thoughts and feelings, right? We are believing the stories that our mind tells us as if they're facts, right? Instead of fake news. We, um, fake news. you know, we have <laughs> forgotten that we are not our thoughts and feelings. We're the ones witnessing them. We're the watchers, right? We're disconnected from what we care about and we're not taking action on those things. That's the recipe for suffering. And that is the inevitable outcome if you listen to your mind in terms of its suggestions for how to deal with your pain. So what psychological flexibility is instead, which initially can kind of seem like, whoa, counterintuitive to people. Wait, you want me to open up? But here's the thing. We find that when people open up and willingly accept the full range of their human experience, willingly accept their thoughts and feelings, even when they don't like them, when they get the skills to be able to step back and just notice the thoughts and feelings that are showing up inside of them, but know that that the whatever their mind is telling them is just one possibility and there are other possibilities too. Remember that the emotions and the thoughts and the sensations, they're like the weather, but they're the sky. The sky is always going to be there. It's never going to change, right? When they're able to get present in just this moment and get out of the time traveling in the mind, when they get connected with what really matters to them and what they value and they start taking baby steps in those directions, their lives become more meaningful, more satisfying. And so even when tough stuff shows up inside, which it's going to do, it, as I said, it just doesn't have the capacity to get in their way or cause suffering like it did in, in the past. And this is what psychologically flexible people do. And by the way, in the research literature, psychological flexibility is among one of the most robust predictors of human well-being, no matter how you measure it. Dang. Yeah. Like resilience, adaptability, and um, almost being like open to uncertainty too. Yes. You mentioned all these numbing methods and you drive down Johnny Dodds or you drive down 17 and it's all of these things that we do to try to get rid of pain. And like, that's where my brain goes because it's, and all those things are great and they're useful for short-term pain, but you know, the massage and the cryo and the, this and the, that they're all like oh, we try to get rid of your pain. Like we're here to get rid of your pain. It's it's all just to numb pain and so that you're comfortable. We spend our whole lives trying to get rid of discomfort 
And that's in the pursuit of getting rid of our pain, we actually experience more pain and we experience more discomfort. And so when you mention psychological flexibility, I'm sure it's a really easy process. You know, you just say you need to be more psychologically flexible and people are like, okay, (laughs) what is that process like? What does it really mean to learn how to be psychologically flexible? So what's pretty cool about Modern Minds is we have a four-month immersive program. Now, that's not the right fit for everybody. Some people really need and deserve longer term. But um, when somebody who's interested in working with us calls us or or submits a form through our website, they will initially have a phone screen with a a really well-trained intake coordinator um, who will determine whether we are the best place to help, right? And so when we start to work with those clients, we we enter them into this four-month immersive program. And they do two parallel streams. So they work with somebody like myself, a clinician, who is going to teach them these psychological flexibility skills weekly. And they're also working with a wellness navigator who is helping them with the physical component of wellness and what we call their four cornerstones of wellness, because there's just a mountain of research that these four cornerstones, when they are shored up and strong, really promote resilience. And when there's a foundation of those laid, it helps somebody to benefit more from the therapy where they're learning the psychological flexibility. So the cornerstones are physical movement. I mean, especially for anxiety and depression, our bodies are meant to move. And we know that when humans move, it just really helps so much in terms of um, preventing anxiety and depression from really getting out of hand and, and causing a lot of impairment. So physical movement, nutrition and hydration, rest, recovery and mindfulness, you know, recharge routines, and social connection. These four cornerstones, is this is what the clients work on with their wellness navigator. And the wellness navigator and the therapist are working closely together with the client. So it's a three-person team throughout the immersion phase. And they're meeting weekly with their wellness navigator, weekly with their therapist. And we find that that most people who are appropriate for our program can make really significant, meaningful progress toward their goals in those four months. Does that mean now all of a sudden they're graduated and you are now a totally psychologically you are, flexible yeah, you are human? Flexible. No, my gosh, um, I'm going to be practicing these skills until the day I die. I mean, I, I was telling you before we actually started recording that, um, yeah, my mind was doing what minds do right before uh, we started today. As I woke up this morning, it, it started doing what it does, telling me this chatter story of, oh, what are you doing going on this podcast? Who are you to talk about this? You know, the imposter syndrome sorts of things, little feelings of anxiety. And when you have psychological flexibility, you can say, oh, I noticed that. Hey, good for me. This is coming up because I must be moving towards something that matters to me, right? What's important to me about this? Well, it's important to me to support what you and your organization are doing and what this podcast is doing and the people you're trying to reach and making a healthier community. And uh, I know that if I can reach one person who listens to this and maybe they start looking into psychological flexibility or maybe they contact Modern Minds if that's appropriate for them and then they come in and they start to learn these skills and then they have an impact on the people in their world and their life that's something that I feel very passionate about. Those are my values. That's what I want to stand for. And you know what? I want to stand for that more than I want to avoid the temporary discomfort. Because otherwise, I could have told you, no, no, I'm not doing this interview. But that would have been me letting my thoughts and feelings dictate my actions instead of my values, what I want my life to be about, right? So this is what we're really trying to teach people. And as I said, we find that if they they engage in this four-month program, this is a really robust starter kit, 
that we hope to shift the very trajectory of the rest of their life in terms of once you've sort of seen this stuff, oh, my thoughts aren't facts. I don't have to believe everything my mind tells me. The power that my mind and my emotions have over me is an illusion. I can choose no matter what my mind is doing. Ah, and I can choose based on what I really care about. So once you've shown people that, it's really hard for them to go back, which is kind of a cool thing. And they will, we of course give them suggestions and tools for how to continue practicing these skills moving forward and get better and better at it. Um, but they don't really need more than that, most people, to be able to understand the concept, understand how to practice it. And we're also helping to shift the way they take care of themselves in terms of their wellness. And when you put these two together, that is true mind-body integration. And I know the term integrative gets gets thrown around a lot, but we really are. This is one of the things we think makes us very different is we really are trying to, to do this. We are integrating um, in terms of physical and mental wellness to treat the whole human. Yeah. When you, you mentioned integrative and I, I feel like integrative and holistic and whole health are thrown around so much that I also, I feel very passionate about practicing whole health medicine, but I feel like there's kind of a stigma to it. Like when you hear holistic, you're like, oh, you're holistic, you're woo-woo. I'm like, no, you are a whole human. We do need to talk about all of these different things. So I, I feel the same way. When you were talking, a few things came up. We keep talking about values. We keep talking about how to how to choose based on what's important to you. It sounds like that is really like a huge driving factor of psychological flexibility, acceptance and commitment therapy. Can you tell me more about values and how how you help your clients figure out their values? So there's lots of different ways that you can do that, but I like to break life down into uh, a variety of different domains. We have this uh, pie chart graphic that breaks life down into domains like, you know, intimate relationships or or marriage, um, parenting, friendships and social life, uh, family other than marriage or parenting. So, you know, we've got four of these 12 domains are relationships because relationships are so important to, to humans. But then there's also, you know, work and career, education and training, uh, fun and recreation. Yes, this is an important domain. Spirituality, um, your your physical environment, you know, that you live in, physical self-care and health, creativity and artistic expression. There's just all these different domains, community life. And they're not all important to everybody. Everybody has their own unique value system, right? And so I'll start out with an exploration with clients of, hey, you know, let's just start having a, a real conversation, a 30,000 foot conversation about what you really care about in these domains. And we, I've got, you know, a series of questions to help them start to percolate. Sometimes we can have them do an eyes closed exercise where maybe they're not really clear on what they care about in, um, you know, let's say the domain of, uh, of friendships. But if I can guide them in an exercise to go back to a time in their life where there was a moment in a friendship-related context where it was, they felt particularly alive or vital or it was very meaningful or important or special to them and really lean into that memory, kind of have them bring it back, who was there with you, almost as if I, I helped them bring up a Polaroid and then jump into it. And then really start to think about what is it about that memory that made it mean so much to you? If you had to try to maybe draw a little something that represented that or come up with a few words, uh, 
You know, it's because in that memory, I felt very connected. I felt able to just be my real authentic self with that friend, or I felt like they were really appreciative. I contributed to them. I really helped to soothe them in that moment of need, whatever it was, you know, that's where I can start to hear clues to their values. Values are ongoing ways of showing up in your world, right? So in a relationship, like a friendship, it might be, I value being loving. I value being present. I value being dependable. You know, you get to determine. Everybody has the right to determine their own values, right? And honestly, I try to tell people, I don't want you to, to tell me what your values are based on the voice in your head sometimes, because a lot of times, I don't know if you've noticed this, but the people we grew up with and our friends and society and the media will try to fill your head a lot about what you should and shouldn't care about. And I can't help somebody work toward a life that they think they should care about, but they don't really. So I tell them, you know, I want it to be, what do you really care about at like 3 a.m. when it's just you and you alone and you're staring at the ceiling and you really know in your heart what you care about. And so um, we start to just have these conversations. And sometimes that in and of itself is very powerful for people because we are, like you said, so busy in our day-to-day lives and knocking things off the to-do list. And it's like, hey, let's pause and think about what really matters, you know? And and as I said, you know, what is the life that you would love to look back on from your deathbed? Like, let's really think about that because this is your why. This is why I'm going to help you learn how to be willing to open up to the thoughts and feelings that are going to show up inside that are uncomfortable because it will be in the service of you building a life about this. So values give your life direction. You know, goals are more specific things like, okay, if I value being a present friend, that's something I can always keep doing. I I, I can always, tomorrow I can also show up and try to be a present friend. But a goal might be, so I'm going to make the effort to travel out of town to go to that friend's, you know, retirement celebration. Okay, that's a goal. You could check that off the list. Values are like heading west. You know, you can always keep going in that direction. And when you know your why, they make it a lot easier to be willing to have the tough thoughts and feelings that are going to come up along the way sometimes because you care. So the values sound like the inner compass yes, and taking time to figure out what do I really value versus what do I think I should value. And you mentioned before, I don't think acceptance and commitment therapy is like different or new. It's just a, maybe maybe it is kind of a different way of thinking about things. Like I, I love how we are talking more about mental health, I think, now more than ever. Is it because our mental health is struggling more than ever? Maybe. But I I think people think just like, oh, physical therapy looks like this. People think therapy looks like blank. You know, like how is what you do different than what people think that you do or what people think, you know, going to, going to therapy, going to counseling, talk therapy. Oh, I just complain to my therapist. I just, Right. What do you, what do you see as like the, what people think versus like what it actually is? One thing that really makes ACT different is um, compared to some of the former, you know, other types of therapy that have been practiced, especially in the past is it has to do with this agenda of controlling or getting rid of your unwanted thoughts and feelings. So all I, I don't even have to convince my clients of this. All I have to do is ask them to, to look at their track record, at their direct experience and say, okay, so I know that you are a very capable human being who has probably, this, is, this would be when I first meet them, 
who's probably never been more motivated to do anything than try to control or get rid of these thoughts and feelings that you've come to me to discuss today, right? And I mean, that's why they're there. And usually by the time they get to me, they have tried everything they can think of, everything their mind has suggested to control, get rid of, numb, suppress these thoughts and feelings they don't want, anxiety, depression, whatever. And yet there they are sitting, having a discussion with me, right? So um, I just start to plant the seed there to say, how do you think then that control is working? So, <laughs> so can you notice, or maybe could we even just have, just entertain the possibility has it not been your experience that the more you have doubled down on this and tried to wrestle with and control these thoughts and feelings, the worse it's gotten? So here we are. Huh. What if, and I know this sounds, whew, but what if control is not the answer? What if you haven't come in here because Dr. Best has some brand new fancy control strategy up her sleeve that somehow you haven't been able to find on Google or in talking to friends or former therapists? What if that's not the case? What if control is not the answer? What if control is the problem? And I could show you a different way. So that's one of the things that makes it different. We're not going to get busy about the work of controlling thoughts and feelings. No, not at all. We're going to get busy. I mean, would you rather, do you think that you're going to build a more meaningful, satisfying life focusing primarily on trying to control or get rid of your unwanted thoughts and feelings or focusing primarily on figuring out what you really care about and what you want to stand for and moving toward that, regardless of what your thoughts and feelings are doing. That's what I want to help people work towards. So that's a difference. And the other difference is um, this is a very active, collaborative type of, of therapy. So um, it's a lot of skills building, which you probably have heard in, in my talk today, but it there's active skills building. It's um, Every client is going to leave every session with a plan and a skill and a way to practice it. ACT sometimes looks different than people think. So um, we might use some wacky metaphors to help them stop taking their thoughts so literally. Um, I might uh, do some things to help them view their thoughts and feelings a little differently. Um, like, you know, we might even start to uh, walk around the room, for instance, um, holding a book in our hands and and repeating to ourselves mentally the entire time, I, I, I can't walk around the room while holding this book. I can't walk around the room while holding this book. And you're watching yourself walk around the room while holding this book. And it's like, what the heck is this about? It's just a tiny little tug on Superman's cape <laughs> to sort of notice, um, okay, I, I don't have to do what my mind tells me. So we do a lot of different, um, we call these experiential exercises where we're asking them to really put into practice these different things. I might um, use visualization techniques where I'm asking them to close their eyes and imagine, you know, placing their thoughts on leaves and floating down a stream. Just again, just to promote a little more flexibility, get a little bit of distance from these things. Um, often I'm going to be asking them to really identify, well, if this is what's important to you, what would be just the very next step that you might take? on that. And okay, can you commit to taking that this week? And let's think about what challenging thoughts and feelings might show up for you as you go to try to take that action. And can we look at that as a training ground and say, okay, here are these thoughts and feelings. Can I open up, notice those, get present and still follow through with what matters. And then notice the felt sense of that. What's the felt sense in me of really connecting with what matters to me and moving in the direction of what's important to me. Getting good at asking myself, what would the person I most want to be do in this situation? Rather than getting so bogged down in just trying to get rid of the thoughts and feelings that you don't want in this moment. So 
just to summarize, I think ACT is different because um, we're not going to be about trying to control thoughts and feelings. It's going to be very skills building and, and directive, and you're going to come out knowing you know, different skills and tools that you can use. And I also think, um, you know, the therapist might be the expert on the techniques and, and uh, the philosophy of treatment, but the client is the expert on themselves. And really, we need each other in order to help them get where they want to go. So it's very collaborative. And um, there'll be a lot of these in-session experiences to help practice the skills in real time. I hope that did a good job Definitely. of explaining yeah, it. Definitely. Yeah. Amazing job. So you're not trying to change you know, their pain or change their discomfort. You're trying to change their beliefs about it or getting them to apply a different meaning, getting them to have a different relationship yes. with their pain. A radically different relationship with their pain where it's not the enemy. Yeah. Right? Um, you know, I, I just lost a close family member um, to death and- of course, we, you know, my family and I, we we cried, we grieved, we, we still do. Um, it's still pretty fresh. And I wouldn't trade that pain for anything. Because as we talked about earlier, you know, what, what would I have to give up? What would I have to lose in order to trade that pain is, gosh, the, the closeness, the love, the experiences, the memories that I had with her. And um, inside of our pain is the life we crave. If we can learn how to open up courageously and, and move through it without getting bogged down and stuck by it. Um, and just keep putting one foot in front of the other and moving toward the people and the experiences that matter to us. Do you ever have anyone who says something like, oh, you just want me to accept it? Or you, you just want me to push through it? Yes, yes. So I'm glad you brought that up because Acceptance and commitment therapy, as we talk about acceptance, it is not about just pushing through, right? Willingly allowing, sort of opening up, sometimes I talk about it as um, opening up the faucet of the emotional pipes and just allowing them to flow freely so that they don't get You're stuck. You're full of analogy. You know, we do, we tend to try to all these, these control strategies that we use to try to eliminate, numb, suppress our emotions. It, it, they, they just turn the faucet off on the pipe and then it starts to get clogged. It's still trying to go through. And, you know, sometimes it festers like an emotional cancer. And it's like, can we just allow these natural, normal feelings to flow through? So, you're allowing them to be there, right? You are aware and you're noticing them. And sometimes our emotions have messages for us. And, and it helps to be able to turn toward them in a curious, non-judgmental way, which we can't do if we're so afraid That's of them. That's the difference. Right? Yeah. So it's like, hmm, this is here. Is there something this is is teaching me, you know, that I need to pay attention to, like a check engine light on a dashboard? Yep. And then can I come back to the present moment and say, all right, Given what's going on right now in this context, um, what matters to me here, and what do I want to what do I want to stand for, or what do I want to do next, and how can it how can I move toward what matters, right? So, that is different than oh no no I'm not going to have this emotion, right? That's it's not a powering through. It's also not. Um, I think sometimes acceptance gets confused with resignation. That's what you're up. talking about. Like when yeah. people say, "Oh, you just want me to accept it." they mean really resign. Like, oh, well, there's nothing I can do about this emotion. I should just roll over and let it run me over. No. ACT is called ACT, not A-C-T, right? So acceptance and commitment therapy, it stands for ACT, not A-C-T. And we mean that because it is an active. This is to empower you. It, 
People spend so much time and effort and energy wrestling with and fighting with their thoughts and feelings. And we want to help them let those thoughts and feelings do what they're going to do and free up their focus, their time, their effort, their energy to put it toward building lives that matter in those domains I talked about earlier, right? So it's about willingly allowing the weather to be what the weather's going to be while you continue to move in the direction that you want to move in. Did that help to answer your question? Yeah. It's like, even though this morning I had an unfortunate traffic, doggy daycare was full, had to turn back around. And I, I, my first thought was my day is ruined. This is a day ruiner for me. My Friday that I thought I was going to have is over and it's done. And I was still a little bitter. And then I was driving over here and I was like, it's Friday and it's beautiful. And I get to go talk to Dr. Stephanie Best about psychological flexibility and we get to record it and put it out there for the world to listen to. I was like, this is great. Like whatever happened this morning, it's okay. My client rescheduled. And I thought about, because I was like, of course we're talking about psychological flexibility today. And I was just like, things can still happen. Like you can, you're always going to have stressful experiences, right? I mean, if you don't like, let me know. But I think, I think that <laughs> I haven't figured out how to do that, there. how to not have them. So if you, uh, let me know too, if anybody yeah. figures it out. And I, I think it's, you know, the way that we apply meaning and what you mentioned before, like we've been really taught every time we have an uncomfortable thought or feeling or sensation, honestly, it's something's wrong with you and you're broken and you need to be fixed and this shouldn't be happening and you need to look further into this. And, and then we just go down this rabbit hole And it's like, oh, you have that, here's this pill. You have that, here's this MRI. You have that, here's this surgery. And have we been approaching this all wrong? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you you mentioned the words, you said meaning. And I think it's, we just get so distracted because life constantly puts us in situations that are challenging to us, right? So there's, there's likely to be uncomfortable thoughts and feelings and sensations showing up inside of us, but they're important to us, right? So this is a situation that's important. So it's going to be important to me to move toward what I care about, but it's also going to be challenging. And so can I notice that you know, what happens when I when I get hooked by these mental stories of the kind that you were talking about when you were driving, oh, the rest of my day is going to be off. Like, your mind is going to tell you stories all the time. But what happens, can you notice what happens when you get hooked, when you buy into those stories, when you accept the invitation from the mental conductor to jump on the train to negative town and ride it and ruminate on it? That was me at 8.15. Does that help you build a life of meaning and purpose or not? Well, guess what? You can't help what your mind gives you, but you sure as heck can decide what you're going to focus on. And if jumping on that train and focusing on that thought doesn't serve you, you have options, right? And so instead... Can you ask yourself, okay, what would, you know, in your case, the Hannah that I most want to be do here, you know, what's important to her about that? And what if I just, no matter what my mind is doing, can, can I, you know, could I entertain an, what you decided? There's lots of options. You decided to entertain an alternative perspective, right? Whether you realize it or not, you looked at what your mind gave you and said, yeah, that's one way to look at it. What's other ways to look at it, right? And if that serves you better, great. You can also just entirely get out of your mind and say, oh, you know what? I'm driving. Can I notice my hands on the wheel? And oh, look how pretty the Ravenel Bridge is. And, you know, oh, and then all of a sudden, look what happened. Some of the clouds parted and your values came out. I was like, I get to go talk to Dr. Stephanie Best and maybe we can together have a conversation that might make a difference in somebody's life. And oh, now you're choosing to focus on what brings your life meaning and purpose 
rather than this crummy story that your mind was spinning about. And, and you could have, and you know from your direct experience what happens if you choose to just really buy into that story and focus on that for the rest of the day. It totally changes the quality of your life for the rest of the day, doesn't it? And everyone around me. <laughs> exactly. So this is, what I'm, this is psychological flexibility, right? We cannot control which thoughts and feelings and sensations automatically bubble up inside, but we can control what we choose to do with them. And there's lots of options. And so when people are psychologically flexible, they are able to exercise a wide variety of options. And then when they get out there and they they try stuff, life gives them feedback. And ultimately, coming back all the way to our beginning of our conversation, it calibrates that compass. And eventually, they get really good at connecting with that felt sense of, oh, hang on, oh, this is me hooked by my thoughts and feelings and getting caught up and trying to get rid of those. That's not going to work for me. I know that from my past experience. What really matters to me here? Okay, let, let me, what's the very next thing I can do to move in that in that direction, you know? And it doesn't have to be, I realize I sometimes I, I get so excited about this and I talk about big, passionate, sweeping things, but sometimes moving in that direction can look, you know, if somebody's in the midst of a really deep, depressive episode and they've been getting very hooked by their thoughts and feelings in their mind for a while, starting to make that pivot toward meaning and purpose can look as simple as, you know what, I'm going to swing my legs over the side of this bed and I'm going to sit up. Okay. And then building on that, they can say, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to, I'm going to go outside and I'm just going to breathe a breath of fresh air for a moment. Right. And so baby steps, one step at a time, when we're, when we're doing when we're in a place of greater wellness, we can make more sweeping moves, you know? So I don't want it to come across as um, this is only appropriate if you can go and do grand things and help the world. And, you know, yeah, that's wonderful. Ultimately, it can build up to that. But there are certain days where building a life of meaning and purpose looks like, well, in the case of, uh, I just mentioned we had lost a family member. This was my aunt and my mother was very, very close to her. And for my mom, a couple weeks after that happened, it looked like, Hey, she got out of bed and she showered and she made a cup of tea and she built on that. And that helped her to start to move in that direction. So yeah, life brings pain. But when we move through that pain in a psychologically flexible manner, we suffer so much less in the face of that pain. And the pain has merit because as we talked about, it's connected to what brings your life meaning and purpose. So a lot of what you just described sounds like zooming out. And, and looking like this morning, I was like, I'm feeling this way. I could do this. I could feel that way. But you can't have those thoughts if you don't zoom out. And, you know, what is the next step? What do I want to do in this? And how do you help your clients? And what are some of the tools and skills, honestly, in a broader sense that you try to teach your clients to be more psychologically flexible? So... Mindfulness is a really big part of uh, what we teach. And I've, I've talked about the time traveling nature of the mind right now. If, if you think about it, how much of your suffering when you're struggling, when you feel like you're in the struggle zone, start to notice how much of it is because your mind is not anchored in this moment right here, right now, right? That it is, like I said, it's either thinking about stuff that didn't go well in the past or ruminating um, or it's traveling into the future and it's predicting things are going to go wrong. Your mind will say, let's think about what you did get wrong. And then, oh, let's think about what you're going to get wrong, right? I say this to my clients and I often will give it as a homework assignment. I, I want to challenge you 
to notice just how often the vast majority of the time for most of your life, what's going on just right here in this moment right now, all is well or normal or boring, you know? And we are inviting suffering in from the past or the future because of this time traveling nature of the mind, right? So mindfulness is present moment awareness that has certain qualities to it too. It's being aware of what's going on in the present in a a non-judgmental way. That's the hardest part for a lot of people that it takes a little training to get the hang of this. But can I notice the thoughts I'm having and the feelings I'm having without judgment? Oh, Notice I'm having the thought that um, I'm going to say something really stupid on this podcast and it's just going to be just disastrous, right? So can I notice that thought and have it be no more, no less? It's just a thought. We, we react to these things as if they're real, as if they have substance, as if you could even hold it in your hand, you know? And they're just mental chatter. It's what minds do. Minds chatter. All of our minds chatter. All the time. All the time. And I have the privilege of people allowing me in to tell me what the radio stations of their minds are spitting at them. And I am telling you, there is so much more commonality among us. We all have the not good enough story in there. We all have the what if I get rejected story in there. You know, these are these are just thoughts, right? It's like, this is the story my mind is telling me right now. It is not truth. And, and really, it's more about does it serve me, right? So I help people to Get in the present moment and just notice from a, from a distance, you know, oh, notice what my mind is doing. Notice what my emotions are doing. Notice what my body is doing, right? With a compassionate, curious, non-judgmental sort of attitude. And then in this present moment, not getting all wrapped up in your thoughts and your feelings, being able to really accept those. You know, I notice that I'm having this thought. And oh, that's that is painful. That's hard. Can I can I have a little compassion for myself in this moment? Right? Can I be aware of that? Can I notice that um, there's other ways to think about it, like we talked about with your example? And then, really, the big question, like I said, is you know what do I care about here in this particular moment right now? What's important to me for me today? It was important to make a little space for the, uh-oh, you're going to go and screw up this podcast and who are they to even ask you to do this and all that, you know, normal mental nonsense we get when we try something um, that we care about. And what was important to me was to come and to try to make a difference. And so, okay, come on. Come on, anxious thoughts and feelings. Let's, let's go. Let's go ahead and drive. We're going to go and meet <laughs> Hannah and we're going to have a conversation. And hey, they've been sitting here with me and they get maybe five to 10% of my focus, but you know, 90% of it is here with you and connected to what matters to me and is as committed to taking action about that. Um, because, and now I've been practicing this stuff that was for my a next long question. <laughs> time. Okay. So, I mean, I got introduced to psychological flexibility in, in 2005. <laughs> So if I sound like I've gotten pretty good at doing this dance, it's because, when you know, you talk to that's people about it every single day. And yeah, so, yeah. So my clients, they don't even realize how much they give back to me because I get to teach them and that helps me. I can't even tell you how often I'll be sitting there listening to myself, talking to a client in session and saying, listen to yourself, Stephanie, about this thing that you're going through, you know, and it really helps to reinforce these concepts. But also... I did a lot in the first 30 years of my life. I'm 48 now. In the first 30, I did a lot of gathering data on what didn't work. A lot. <laughs> I calibrated the compass a lot on that other, you know, just, oh, wow. So when I, you know, when it feels tempting to listen to my mind's attempts to, you know, just, you know, turn down that podcast because that's going to make you feel uncomfortable and then you don't, you know, you won't have to do it. So I, 
it, it's not even hard for me to do that anymore because I have allowed myself to, to do full catastrophe living. And it's like, oh, you know what? I know in my experience that won't work for me. It'll work in the short term. I'll be relieved in the short term that I didn't have to deal with that discomfort. And then in the long run, I will have this really painful knowledge that I'm not moving toward what really brings my life meaning and purpose. And so much of what brings it meaning and purpose is on the other side of uncomfortable thoughts and feelings. It's just the gig. Welcome to being human, you know? Um, <laughs> Thanks for signing up. It's okay. I think we all, we, we mistakenly think others aren't dealing with this. This is the human condition, you know? It's okay. We all feel messy and uncomfortable a lot. <laughs> And we're walking around too much of the time acting like we've got it all together. And we are comparing other people's front of the camera lives with our behind the scenes life. And it's just not fair. We really need to be a lot kinder to ourselves and to one another, because as I said, we have so much more in common than we don't. Yeah. Those short-term fixes end up causing you more long-term discomfort because when you, when I notice that I have not acted in in line with my values, then you feel worse because then you're like, oh, I yelled at this person or I got really frustrated or I, you know, I told myself this day was ruined. And all of those things were the easiest thing to do in the moment. Like yelling at your friend or your significant other or whatever is the easiest thing to do for sure. Like less energy, like just get it all out there. And then later you're like, why do I feel like shit? And you're like, oh, because that was totally not who I want to be. Yeah. And so I, I feel like, you know, when I don't slow down, when I get caught up, it's way easier for me to act on that easy, quick, my thought said this, and so I must do that. And mm -hmm. what has worked for me is I have, a, I mean, I have a lot of things that have worked for me and have not worked for me, you know, but I have a note on my phone and it's on my main page and it says, what is the deeper purpose of what you're doing right now? Because I think Love we it. just get so caught up in the monotony and the schedules and the routine and the checking off and, oh, I don't feel like doing this, but I have to. Why? Like, why Why are you really, really doing this? And, you know, you you talked a lot about having that why and, and why are you here and, and why do you want to improve and why do you want to blank? And I think that is the the kicker. That is the value coming in. I think that's huge. What you just said it and it's such a pervasive issue and we still need to wrestle with it. The pandemic really threw it in the forefront and is that the pace of modern life really unfortunately promotes disconnection from, from values and meaning and purpose because there's just so much to do. And like you said, you know, you're not, you're not pausing. We're not asked or really given the opportunity unless we really make space for it and prioritize it to pause and take that 30,000 foot view and say, what is going to give my life meaning and purpose here? No, we're just trying to get as many things as we can done off the to-do list for the day. And when you are just ticking things off the box like that, often because you're trying to avoid the uncomfortable thoughts and feelings you think will come up if you don't get all the things done. But guess what? We never get all the – whoever gets – you don't. No, never. You just try to deal with the fires at the top of the list <laughs> and the bottom of the list grows enormously long forever and ever and you just say what you're willing to accept is never going to get done, right? That's not a recipe for a meaningful life. And unfortunately, this pace that I think is particularly in, in westernized cultures and in America is so, you know, we've gone to this place where a 40-hour work week has, you know, a lot in too many places that's looked at as like, you're a slacker. Oh my. It's you're like, only working 40 oh, hours. When no. did that happen? I mean, it's like that we are so out of balance and we're not slowed down enough 
to be able to get comfortable with our inner world. We're just running. And so much of the time, we have this glorification of productivity and, you know, workaholism is a way to try to numb and control and suppress, right? And too many people that just cannot sit in stillness with themselves. And it's largely because they're disconnected from their meaning, their purpose, their why, and are just so busy trying to get the to-do list done. And that is not a recipe for a life worth living. What you get to the end of your life and you're like, well, I got my to-do list done. Yeah. Whoever said that. Yeah. Woo. Great. Yay. Happy about that. Like, right? Yeah. It always feels good. Nice little dopamine release to make it green or check it off. But like, what is a, a life full of just checking things off just to get them done? Yeah. I see people, you know, on LinkedIn posting about, oh, I haven't taken a vacation in two years. That's As like horrible. a badge of honor. And you're like, no, that's bad. That's horrible. Oh <laughs> Hire me. Gosh. I don't take any time off. No, yeah, that's not going to be good. <laughs> just what are we doing? And yeah. so um, I think mindfulness and meditation, you're hearing so much more about them, partly because um, there's a recognition that what we're doing is not working this insane pace. Um, also, and I've just put a little plug in there because I'm very passionate about meditation, but, um, there's been real significant advances in neuroscience within the last, you know, 15, 20 years or so that have enabled us to start to understand how things like mindfulness practices and meditation impact the brain and really change the very structure and function of the brain. So that over time, when you practice getting present, right, detaching from your thoughts in, and getting present in just this moment your neurons start to help you out over time because they get more interconnected and well-branched and they can communicate with one another. And actually meditation even promotes new neuron growth. And we even know now that meditation impacts uh, your DNA at the level of the chromosomes and promotes brain health and longevity. So it's just really cool stuff. And everything that we do at Modern Minds is heavily empirically based. I want to really emphasize that too. So um, I, I think sometimes people hear about some of these techniques or meditation or mindfulness and they think, oh, that's like woo-woo. Um, actually, we ours is, is definitely very grounded in science. Um, we just want it also to be delivered in a way that is palatable and digestible and feels applicable to normal human lives. And I think um, our team does a really great job of that. Yeah. the um, Talking about your neurons. I mean, it's just so cool. Like we, our bodies literally get better at what we consistently do. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's it kind of it get, puts ownership on you of like, well, if I want to be good at this, like I need to practice it. And also it's it's always so cool to me to learn how it affects your DNA and how it affects. I mean, it could affect your future kids and it affects yeah. how you age and it affects these things. And we are just learning so much. And like this very powerful organ in our head, the brain, which sometimes can be um, a real big problem, but it's just really fascinating and really, I mean, just powerful. And I'm excited to see, you know, where research continues to take us. One last thing, I, there's a, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot here. There's a lot that based on this person sitting in front of you, you want them to know and you want them to apply in their lives. But is there, is there just one thing that you're like, mm, like if everyone just understood this about anxiety and depression, if everyone just understood this, if people were teaching this, the world would be a better place. I think just that thoughts and feelings are not to be feared, right? That, that, as I said earlier, that the power you think they have over you is an illusion. And that every single human is absolutely capable of learning a different kind of relationship with them, to be able to be 
accepting of whatever shows up inside of them and can learn how to really instead shine the spotlight, throw their energies into what matters to them, what they care about, how they want to show up, what kind of life they want to build, what gives them meaning and purpose. And I think that if, honestly, I and, you know, many people in the ACT world really strongly believe that if, if people could learn these skills, that if we could just take the focus off of trying to control our thoughts and feelings and instead move toward what gives our life value, there's a lot of uh, these nasty headlines that throw us all off in the news that might not really be happening because so much of human behavior that's causing problems in the world is about people really fearing and trying to control their thoughts and their feelings rather than opening up to their very normal human experience and keeping the eye on what lights them up inside. And um, I just... You know, I, I know that every everybody that we're able to work with at Modern Minds goes back into their world, their families, their friends, their coworkers, and they start to have a ripple effect. And, um, you know, the ones that I get to work with that have parent that are parents, they're going to teach their children and model different things for their children in terms of how to relate to their thoughts and feelings. And I just really believe these psychological flexibility skills, to, 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 to put it, you know, succinctly, could could be what the helps the world with everything that's ailing it. And um, yeah, I just, I hope as many people will look into it as are interested. If they've even, you know, a little spark of curiosity has been generated by this conversation, I hope they'll look into it. And um, certainly if they're local, um, go ahead and give us a, a call at Modern Minds and we'd be happy to work with them. Yeah. Dr. Sevney, thank you so much. This has been incredible. It's been a great conversation. Thanks, Hannah. I really appreciate it. Where can our followers find you and connect with you in Modern Minds? So um, probably the easiest thing for them to do would be to go to our website, which is modern-minds.com. And minds is plural, M-I-N-D-S. So modern-minds.com. And you can find out information about us on there. They can use the contact form to contact us on there, or they can certainly just call. um, And if they call the main number, they will be guided by some lovely folks into the process. Awesome. Love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you want to connect with Dr. Stephanie or Modern Minds, all of those links are in the show notes below. Otherwise, make sure you subscribe to the show. New episodes are out every Monday. Till then, have an awesome week.